back in your chair. Hey, by the way, we have a couple, three maybe, of Castle Rock's finest police department officers. Would you give me a, give them a hand, would you? Maybe one's up there with a sniper rifle, maybe not. I'm so glad that you're here. Here's, here's the dangerous part of what's happening right now is, is you're in the sun and I'm in the shade. And so scale of 1 to 10, let me see your hands. How hot is it out there? Let me see. All right, so we won't go long. We won't go long. So let me come right down here. And you, I'll, you know, I, I worshiped in the sun with you, so it was hot as well. And so I don't know if I've sweat through this or not, but we'll try to get it really going so that you see your preacher sweat a little bit. See the Castle Rock over here? Gorgeous. Can you see the incline this way? If you're up top, you can. It's beautiful. Do you live in a great place or what? Amazing. And if you look around, you can see some of the zip lines that uh, go crisscrossing across the valley. It's beautiful. We were told by one of the people that runs some of the activity here at the zip line area that not long after the zip line opened, there was a young man from Castle Rock who wanted a, a cheap and easy deal to ride one of the zip lines. So he came over. Uh, about 3 a.m., and he had a rope tied on to his belt loop. On the end of that rope, he had a carabiner, and it's this zip line right here that you can barely see a little bit, just the one above the horizon. It takes off from a rock. It doesn't come from a, a normal wooden platform like you see most of them. And so his plan was to stand on that rock, attach his carabiner, and zip all the way across for free. What he didn't know is that the owner kind of suspected some shenanigans that night and stayed late and followed him up to the area and stopped him before he had a chance to do that. Arrested him, of course, it was a big deal, and, and he's paying a hefty price, even as a juvenile. Bad day for him, wouldn't you agree? Not as bad as it could have been. What he didn't know is that that steel cable would have melted his carabiner in about 30 seconds. And so what he thought was an awful outcome actually was a reason for him to give thanks. Here, here's the verse that you started the service with a minute ago. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Say that with me. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. Let us exalt his name together. That comes from Psalm 34. It was written by David. 
And the interesting thing is that when David wrote that psalm, he wasn't in a very good place. If you knew much about David's life in that moment, you would think he has nothing to be thankful for, nothing to be grateful for. And yet, this is the verse that he wrote. When David wrote this, he wasn't king yet. He was probably about 29 years old. You know the story of David. Some of you are familiar with the story. Even if you've never been to church, you've heard of King David. When David was 11 years old, he was out tending sheep in the areas of his farm, working for his dad, and Samuel, the great man of God, came to his home to anoint the next king of Israel. Samuel looked around, and he didn't see the one that God had chosen, and he said, is there any other children in your home, Jesse? And Father Jesse said, yeah, there's one, the youngest. He's out in the fields. He said, bring him in. In that moment, David kneeled before his family, his brothers, his dad, and the high priest of God, Samuel, and was anointed king of Israel. He was 11 years old. Who here, kid-wise, kids, who's 11, 10, 9 years old? Let me see your hands. Raise them up. Can you imagine being anointed king of Israel? And, of course, he wouldn't become king for another, oh, probably 20 years. And you know a few other stories of David's life, but from there he became more popular and more successful, and God blessed him in a thousand different ways. Probably the biggest story that you know about King David, when he was probably, I don't know, around 15 years old, the armies of Israel were against the armies of Philistine, and in between them lay this incredible valley, and David was delivering as a young man lunch to his brothers. And while he was there, one of the strong giant Philistines came down to the valley as he had done for many days before and challenged the armies of Israel to a fight. David looked at his brothers and he looked at the crowd and he looked at this giant and he knew that God had called him to great things. And so he decided to take him on himself. And so this is the fabled story of David and Goliath. And from that moment on, David never went home. He entered the service of the king, King Saul, the first king of Israel. And what David didn't know is that Saul would become incredibly insecure about David. He would become very jealous of David's power and his strength because David was a mighty warrior. He did incredible things. In fact, the people of Israel had a little song they would sing about Saul and about David. This is while Saul was still king, and it's while David was still just a young man. But they would say, to extol David's incredible might and power as a warrior, that Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his ten thousands. And when Saul would hear this, he would rage with jealous insecurity. At times, he would try to come after David himself. And Scripture tells of one moment when he tried to pin him against the wall with a spear, but David escaped. Saul's oldest son was named Jonathan. And Jonathan loved David with all of his heart. In fact, David and Jonathan were probably the best friend story in Scripture that we have. One day, Jonathan pulled David aside and said, My dad is so jealous. He is so angry at you and about you. And he knows that you've been anointed to be his successor, his king. His goal is to kill you. And so you have to run. So in private, Jonathan gave him this message And David left immediately the area of Jerusalem. His plan was to run and to hide, to escape Saul, and he did. He left with nothing in his hands, nothing on his back. He only had his loyal men that would eventually meet up with him. While David was running, 
he wrote Psalm 34. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. So here's my question for you. As you've started school, as you've begun maybe a new chapter of your life, as you're thinking a little bit about what God has in store for you, how is your gratitude and the thankfulness in your heart? David found himself on the run from a murderous king, leaving his best friend behind, and yet he can say, let's talk about how good God is and how God is taking care of us. Are you thankful for how God has blessed you? Look up at the sky. Are you thankful for the blue that you see? Are you thankful for the food you're about to eat, for the way God has blessed you, for the way he's taking care of you? Now, I know some of your stories, and I am absolutely certain that there are moments in the day when you find gratitude slipping away through your fingers. And what enters is a sense of what if, or if only, or I wish. In that moment, remember David, because he says, come let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let's talk about how good he has been. Because gratitude, gratitude is the soil, the rich soil from where the fruit of the Spirit grows. Things like joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness, self-control. If there's any of these sort of lacking or missing or completely AWOL in your life, then my guess is gratitude is missing as well. So David had this habit of counting his blessings and naming them specifically, and he knows that he escaped with his life. So David then writes these words, because he's not unaware, he's not naive, he knows his life is threatened. The very next verse is this one. We'll learn this together. I want you to remember this and take it with you today. Psalm 34, 4. I prayed to the Lord, say it with me, and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. This is what David says next. And he has a lot to fear. In fact, he doesn't even know how much he has to fear. It will be years before he is actually made king of Israel. He will face Saul in a thousand different ways. And when he does this, his life is, at, is threatened every time. And he says, say it with me, I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. And he freed me from all my fears. And so I wonder about your fears. And I wonder what you're afraid of. And I wonder, over the last several weeks, as you've read headlines, as you've sent your kids to school, as you've thought about your own retirement, as you've watched the stock market, I wonder what you're afraid of. And fear, if given a chance, will take root. And when fear takes root, our trust in God disappears. That's all fear is, is misplaced trust. What is fear? Say it with me misplaced trust. That's all it is. And so David says, while he's alone, while he is running from a murderous, insecure, jealous king, does that ring a bell with anybody? While he's running, he says, I prayed to the Lord, say it with me, 
and he answered me. And he freed me from all of my fears. So when David runs, the first place he goes is the tabernacle of God. And in that place is a man named Ahimelech, and he's the high priest, and God placed him there, and David tells him a story about why he's running and asks for his help. And he says, look, I don't have anything with me. I'm on a mission, and I need some way to protect myself. Are there any weapons here at all? And he says, well, there is a sword here. It's Goliath's sword. It's the only one in the whole tabernacle, but you can have it. We don't need it here. And so he gives him Goliath's sword. David says there is none like it. And so he takes it with him on the run. And then he says, I'm hungry. And my men are going to be hungry. Can you feed us? Can I get an amen? Anybody hungry? Yeah, we're about done. So he says, I'm hungry. Can you feed us? And the priest of God looks over at the the tabernacle table, the holy place, and there is the what is known as the showbread or this consecrated bread. According to the law, it's only to be eaten by the priest. Every week they replace it and they bake this bread. Now, don't think uh, Castle Oaks communion bread. That would last you, I don't know, it's a light snack, right? Even if you ate all of it that we eat whenever we have communion. But when they made consecrated bread, they made 12 loaves of this bread, and it was a lot of bread. Two piles, six high. Each loaf weighed at least a pound. And so the priest said, you can take this bread. And after David took the consecrated bread, Goliath's sword, and continued on his way, eventually he would meet up with his men, and God had provided everything that he needed. After taking this consecrated bread, David wrote these words in the same psalm. This is what he said. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And then he says this, Oh, what joys the people have who take their refuge in him. So I don't know what place you're in, gratitude in your heart. I'm not sure what you are fearing. But when David writes the words that he prayed to the Lord, what he said is this. In the Hebrew, it means that I was diligently seeking God. God will free you from your fears if you diligently seek him. And if you build gratitude into your life, the fruit of the Spirit will overflow. If you're missing any of that, you have misplaced trust, and God is inviting you to come to the altar just to trust him. Let me guide you in a moment of prayer. Just feel the breeze. Close your eyes. Feel the warmth of the sun. And let's give thanks to God. So Lord, right now we ask as a church that you would give us the courage to well up with gratitude for how you have blessed us. So right now, just where you're sitting, right where you are, begin to list the things that God has blessed you with. Begin to give him thanks for the way he has taken care of you, for the way he has met all of your important needs. List them right now. Give him thanks right now. Come right now. Let us talk about the Lord's greatness. Let's exalt his name together. So list them as you pray. Lord, we thank you for the ways that you've given us income, jobs, taking care of us, for the friends that you've placed in our lives. Lord, we pray that you would build into our heart and into our life a sense of gratitude. Lord, we ask that you would dash entitlement against the rocks. 
you would just take it all away. Lord, I, we seek your forgiveness about this sense of more that we have. We always want more, something else to satisfy us. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. It's unconditional. We don't deserve it. We're grateful. Grateful isn't a big enough word, Lord, for the way that you have forgiven us and brought us back into a relationship with you. So just take a moment. Name some things before God. Just allow a little seed of gratitude to begin to take root. Water it a bit. Let the sun hit it. Lord, we're so grateful. And now take just a moment and lay your fears before God. Name them. Be specific. Remember this. Fear is misplaced trust. So, Lord, we put our trust in you. We put our hope in you and you alone. And so, Lord, some of us here, we fear the future. We fear what is to come. We fear the health crisis in front of us, the battle that we must fight. We fear loss. We fear that we won't have enough. We fear judgment of others. We fear that we will become insignificant, unimportant. So Lord, we confess our fears to you. And so we declare with David, we have prayed to you. You saved us from our fears. You have freed us from the power of fear. Because we put our trust in you. So Lord, may gratitude grow. May fear melt away. So we come to you and surrender all of this. So Lord, in this, in this open air place, this town that we love, that is often a, a setting and a venue for such incredible fun activities, we make this a holy place in this moment. And we come to this altar and we ask that we would be more fully surrendered to you. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the world? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus.
Pray together. Amen? Amen. Come on. Amen. Amen.